Well, it's good to be back at Smithfield. Praise the Lord for your singing this morning. And we are going to be looking at prayer from the scripture. And uh, the first couple of songs that we had dealt with prayer. And that one there that we just sang, I need thee every hour. Do we, do we really believe that we need the Lord every hour? Every single hour? And I'm looking for that song in this hymn book, brother. Find the number for me. I need thee every hour. I bet I can find it right now. 450. Thank you very much. I need thee every hour. I'm not going to sing it, so don't worry about that. But um, the fourth verse said, I need thee every hour. Teach me thy will. Thy promises so rich in me fulfill. So we're going to look at that this morning, that when we pray, the basis of our praying in faith is to pray the promises of God and according to his promises. Prayer, we would say as Christians, is absolutely essential to us. It's absolutely essential to our lives. We believe, we say that anyway. Uh, you read from uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 how that we are to pray without ceasing. I'm not going to ask among all the crowd this morning, how many of you pray without ceasing? I'm not going to answer for myself even. Do I pray without ceasing? What does that mean? How can we pray without ceasing? How can we actually come from this point of this place that I need the Lord every hour and so I'm going to call out to Him. I'm going to seek His face. I'm going to ask Him for His, not just His help, but for all that he has for me, all that he has, all that he wants to do in me, do we pray according to Scripture? You've been around church, and so you have no doubt heard a few messages on prayer. Uh, I have heard and read and preached more messages on prayer than I can remember or that I can think of today. Uh, I can remember some that were long and some that are short and some biblical and some that were not so biblical. Maybe I've preached a few of those. But I want us to think about prayer today from Scripture. Um, some sermons or messages or Bible studies on prayer would make you want to kneel down right then and there and start praying. I hope, I hope the Lord will speak to us that way that today, this morning. And some would make you say, wow, praying must be an awful, hard, tiring business, and it's going to wear us out to pray. What I want us to see is that there's nothing more blessed for a child of God than to pray to our Father. And yet I'd also want us to admit that sometimes it seems like there's hardly anything more difficult or disappointing in our own lives than how we pray. I don't know, maybe that's not the experience of anybody here, but sometimes it's been mine. One of the most difficult things to do as a Christian is, is to pray and, and to believe, now I want to say this carefully, not to say, wow, let's grade our prayers. We're not going to do any of that today. All right, we're not going to grade our praying. I'm not going to put up here and say, are you ranked an A or an F? That's not what this is about today. But we do want to look at the Word of God and say, Lord, help us to pray. 
the disciples, you remember, they asked the Lord Jesus, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Remember that? And what did Jesus do? He gave them what's called the Lord's Prayer. That's not going to be the, our subject this morning. But he taught them to pray. He said, well, pray like this. So it's good for us to think there's a, there's a good way that's pleasing to the Lord to pray. Lord, teach us to pray that way. That might be a prayer that we can pray today as we start off. Lord, teach us to pray in a way that would honor you, that would glorify you, and that would accomplish what you would have accomplished in our lives. So I'd like for us, as we start, let's just, let's just ask the Lord that. Will you join me as we pray right now? Father, we do ask you to help us. We need your help. We need your help to pray as we ought to pray. So we ask that you'll help us, Lord. Help us not to be self-conscious and think, uh, my praying has been an A plus or my praying has been a D minus. Lord, help us to think clearly today, biblically. And as we ask you now, we ask you, Lord, help us to, to learn to pray according to your word and according to your will. Help us to pray. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the place we're going to start off is in the Old Testament book of Job. So if you'll turn to Job in chapter 23, Job is the book right before the book of Psalms. So if you'll look, if you're not sure exactly where Job is, just find the book of Psalms and then go right before that and you'll be in the book of Job. Right smack dab in the middle of that book is chapter 23. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. Job 23, verse 1. Then Job answered and said, Today also my complaint is bitter. My hand is heavy on account of my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would lay my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know what he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in the greatness of his power? No, he would pay attention to me. There an upright man could argue with him and I would be acquitted forever by my judge. Now we're going to read a little bit further in that chapter in, in a few minutes, but I want us to think about prayer and even learn from this, this little short passage in Job. Now, what kind, of, what kind of life did Job lead? And what kind of place was Job in that he would uh, say these things to us? And that he would, these things would be written down for us to read about what kind of, what kind of man was Job? This morning, and I want you all to participate with me. Was Job a bad man? No, he was not. He was a righteous man before the Lord. Was Job's life easy and free from all difficulty and hardship? No. He was in a he was in a tight spot, to say the least. He was suffering. He was a man who was suffering. And we might say, all of us might say, well, surely if a person's in a tight spot like Job. Or if a person's in a real place of suffering, they ought to pray, and we ought to pray. And yes, absolutely, we ought to pray. We're going to learn from Job 
a little bit about how he prayed and how we ought to pray. Now, uh, sometimes when we think about prayer, even if we look in the Bible and think about how those folks prayed, we might feel a little guilty. And it might be that some folks this morning will think that, well, I, I'm discouraged to pray because I read about folks who uh, they get up early about 4 o'clock every morning and they pray about two hours. That is before they read about five chapters of the Bible. And before they ever go out and milk the cows or go to the factory and work or whatever else they do or get the kids ready to go to school or get ready and go to school yourself if you're that young, they've, they've already prayed a couple or three hours. And so I, I just don't measure up that way. Uh, I, for one, would say, well, I don't measure up that way either. So if we're thinking about that's praying, that's, that's what biblical praying is. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about pouring out our heart to the Lord because of the need we have or because of the need that we see someone else has. And we're going to God because we believe that he can supply the need. That's basically what praying is. There's a lot of definitions to prayer. There's a lot of things that we do while we're praying that are part of our praying, but it's not really prayer. Now, what, what do I mean by that? We, what are some of the things that we can do when we pray? What are some of the things that we do when we pray? First Thessalonians, that, brother, you read a little while ago. There were some things that were going on while he's praying. He's giving thanks. He's going to the Lord. He's praying without ceasing. He's... He's bringing a lot of things to the Lord. But prayer is basically asking. It's a poor heart going to the Lord of lords and king of kings who has all things and has all power, believing that he can supply a need, something that is lacking. It's asking. In fact, the Bible tells us it's more than just asking. It's begging. It is appealing to God. It is pleading with him. Because he is God and we are not. Because he has all the supply and we don't have anything of ourselves. Because he has all the power and we have none. Because we're a needy people. And until we see, it our, see ourselves as a needy people, we probably won't be doing much praying. Isn't that about right? If we don't see ourselves to be very needy, we won't need to be doing much praying. Job saw himself as needy and he was going to the Lord to pray. Prayer is an appeal to God for something or for someone by someone who has some need or sees that need in someone else and they are convinced that it is God and God alone who can provide for and fill that need. I'm going to say that one more time because a couple of you are taking notes. Prayer is an appeal. It's an appeal to God for something or for someone by someone who has some need or sees that need in someone else. And they are convinced that it is God and God alone who can provide for 
and fill that need. Now, when we're going to the Lord that way and begging and pleading for and asking for, we'll do some other things. We'll give thanks. Oh, Lord, you are good, and I give thanks to you. And we'll praise the Lord. Oh, Lord, I praise you. You are great, and you are alone worthy to be praised. We might, we ought to confess our sin. Read the prayers of the Bible, and you'll find people who confess their sin to God. While we're praying, we're asking for forgiveness, and we're confessing our sin. While we're praying, we're praising the name of the Lord. While we're praying, we're echoing back who He is. You are great, and you're worthy of our praise. But basically, prayer is asking because God answers prayer. It's asking from a needy and empty heart and say, God, fill me as only you can do. It's begging God to be God. Now, he's not going to cease to be God just if we don't beg him. But it is begging God to be God in our hearts and our lives. Oh, God, we are needy. Would you help us today? Our outline is simple today. Two points. Point number one is this. Let's look at Job in Job 23 and see what the Lord will teach us about prayer. And point number two is this. Let's look at some examples through Scripture to see where that's played out and where that's lived out in the lives of many. What does Job, number one, teach us about prayer? First, what drives us to the biblical kind of prayer is desperation. You see that in this text here in Job 23? He says his complaint is bitter. In verse 2, my hand is heavy on account of my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. Have you ever felt that way? Oh, if I only knew where I could find him, I'd run to him today. Now, what would cause Job to have that kind of desperation? Here's a time for us all to participate. What's going on in Job's life in the book of Job? What, what has happened to Job? Oh, well, catastrophe. That's exactly right. He was a man that was well-known and uh, was well-supplied. If you're reading the first two chapters, you find out what happened to Job. The devil came against him. The devil had to ask permission from the Lord. Let, I see that guy. God said to the devil, you see that man, Job? He's one of mine. Have you checked him out? And the devil said, yeah, I've checked him out. And he's protected by you. He praises you. He serves you because you blessed him. Let me take away some of his blessings and he won't praise you. So God gave him permission. The devil took them away, his comforts, his blessings, his possessions. And even after a while, even his family, there was death in the family. There was catastrophe. And the devil came back around and said, yeah, I see him. He only serves you and he goes on praising you because he's healthy, he's strong. It hasn't really touched him. Let me touch him and let me see how he praises you then. And the Lord gave him permission. And he took his health away. And he was not just sick. He was suffering. The Bible says that he looked and he searched for broken pieces of pottery on the ground that he could scrape his skin, scrape the sores that were on his skin. Some kind, who knows, leprosy, some kind of awful disease he had. 
And what did Job do? Did he curse God? No, it's he praised the Lord. What we sang in the song a little while ago said, I think our song said, he gives and takes away. Well, that's exactly what happened to Job. The Lord had given him much and the Lord allowed it to be taken away. And Job said, uh, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He went on worshiping the Lord, even though everything had been taken away from him. But he was a desperate man. You think you wouldn't be desperate if you had what Job had laid on him? You would be. Take a piece of broken pottery and scrape your skin of the disease. And think of the loss that you have suffered and the loss of your children and your relatives and your house and your household and all your possessions taken from you. He was a suffering man and he was desperate. And he said, my complaint is bitter. My hand is heavy on account of my groaning. He groaned. And he said, oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would lay my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. Have you ever been there? I know some of you have. Because though you're not Job and I'm not Job, yet you've suffered. Yet you've gone through hardship and you've suffered. Deep in your heart you've suffered. Or in your body you've suffered with disease. Or broken hearted you have gone to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, help me. Oh Lord, you know my complaint. Oh Lord, you know the hardship of my heart. And you've been where Job is in that sense. And maybe you felt like this very thing. My complaint is bitter. I'm heavy. My hand is heavy because of my groaning. Oh, that if I only knew where I could find you, Lord, I would come to you face to face. That's what biblical prayer is. Biblical prayer comes out of a heart of desperation. It comes out of a heart of desperation. We are to pray out of hearts of desperation. Not just when catastrophe happens, not just when the roof falls in, but out of the desperation of the needs of our own heart. Now right here I want to take a little rabbit trail. Does that mean that we only pray when something bad happens? Or we only pray when some catastrophe happens or when the roof falls in or all of our stuff is gone or somebody dies or we're heartbroken and heartsick or we're sick nigh unto death. Is that the only time we pray? No, we ought to pray all the time. I think the scripture said from 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. It means we pray every day. It means we pray lots. It means we pray early. It means we pray late. It means we pray in the middle of the day. It means we pray when things are great. It means we pray when things are bad. And yet there is a desperation that leads us to pray in this way, in the ways that we're going to learn this morning. Now, ought we to pray about everything big and great? Well, there's some things, and I might be wrong in this, there's some things I don't pray about. If I need an oil filter because my car is overdue for an oil change, which, by the way, my car is right now overdue, for an oil chain. I usually don't pray about, Lord, should I get an oil filter for my car or not? If I'm, my toothbrush is kind of worn out. Do I pray, Lord, would you give me a toothbrush? And 
Do I think about, should it be a red toothbrush or a blue one? I don't pray about that. Because I'm not desperate about whether I should go buy an oil filter or, or a toothbrush or should it be red or black or, okay, I've got to go buy something. Should I go down to AutoZone or should I go to O'Reilly's Auto Parts? I don't pray about that and probably you don't either. If you do, would you come and teach me to pray that way? Because I, I don't pray that way. Because I'm not desperate about that. I have the power and the authority and the Lord has given me a job or some provision that I can go buy a, an oil filter. I cannot hardly afford an oil change anymore. Took my car the other a few months ago and I got the last oil change and it was over $100 for an oil change. I, I think I need to pray about that, but that's beside the point. I'm saying that the kind of prayer that I'm talking about today is driven by desperation. And we ought to take those things to the Lord with every ounce of strength that the Lord gives us. We ought to plead with Him for the needs of our hearts and the needs of the hearts of our neighbors and those all around us who are in some kind of suffering. We ought to go in desperation. So the first thing about what's Job teach us? We go with a heart of desperation. And then... Where does that desperation lead us? It leads us to the Lord. Do you read that here in Job 23? Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might even come to his seat. Where does our desperation lead us? It leads us to pray, but it leads us to the Lord to go to his seat, to go to his throne. It leads us, we have a desperation to see God and to know God and to come near unto God. It's not just that I want my need filled. It is that I need him. I need him more than I need the things that I think I need. And that's where our desperation ought to lead us. I want to go to the Lord. I want to find him. I want to thirst after him and hunger after him. And that's what Job did. He said, oh, if I just knew where to find him, I would go to him. That's where we need to be, church. Smithfield, that's where you need to be. I need to go to him. It, my desperation needs me to be driven. Driven to my knees, yes. Driven to the Lord, yes, that I might find him, not just that my needs would be filled. I'm going to ask and beg and plead, oh God, fill this need. But my greatest need is Him. It is to be driven to Him. And I would say, Lord, if I could just find you, I'd go to you. If we read on down into this very chapter, you'll find out that basically Job is saying, I don't really know that I can. Job is a desperate man and he's suffering. And he says, I, on, if you'll read through this book, some of you have read through this book ten times. And it's an amazing book. You ought to go read it. Prayerfully. If you've never read it. And the man is bouncing from one thing to another. And, and he, sometimes it's like he's just, just in such desperation. I don't know where the Lord is. And I don't know why all this has happened to me. And he says, basically, I don't know if I can find the Lord. But he does say this, but the Lord knows me. And he knows where I am. I may not feel like I know where the Lord is today. How come all this has happened? And it seems like the Lord is hidden to me. But he does have this faith. 
The Lord knows where I am. And so it goes to the Lord. Our desperation ought to drive us to the Lord. And that's where it drives him. And, and what about this? It says, I would, I would come to him even to his seat. What is the seat of God? He's talking about his, his throne. God is the king. He sits on a throne. And wouldn't that be the right place to go? If you're looking for help in your desperate need, where should you go? You should go to the one who has the power. And that's what he does. He says, oh, if I just knew where I could find him, I would run to him. I would go to him. I would bring my case. I would come even to his seat of authority and power. And that's where we ought to go. I want us to catch a glimpse of in this passage of Scripture that we pray and we will pray in a, in a way that's biblical and right if we come with a desperate heart and we come with a desperate heart to come to God and to know Him, to be in His presence and to know that He is the one with the power and the authority. And that's what Job is doing. Oh, if I knew where to find Him, I'd go. I would go to Him, I'd run to Him. And so now it's, it's coming to Him. I need to go to His seat. I need to go to His authority. I need to go to where He is. He is the one with all the power. And it's not just that he has the power to fulfill my need. He's got that. But it's he's the Lord and he is sovereign. He has the authority to say. Now listen to this. He has the authority to say yes or no, doesn't he? If he's the one in authority and he's the king and he's on the throne, then we go to him in our desperation and we recognize that he's the sovereign Lord. And he can say yes, or he can say wait a minute, or wait a little while, or he even has the authority to say no. And we'll get to that a little bit more in a little bit. He goes to the authority, to the sovereignty of Almighty God in his prayer. Now, we're to point two. Let's look at some examples in Scripture and see if they prayed this way in Scripture. But before we do, let me read again verse four. I would lay my case before him. Now you come in desperation. And your desperation is for your need to be fulfilled or the need in someone else to be fulfilled. And so you go to the one and only one who can do it. You go run into God and His power, and His authority. And you call out to Him. And He says, I would lay my case before Him and fill my mouth with what? Arguments. Now that doesn't seem like a very godly way to pray. <laughs> to go to God and to argue with God. And, and I don't think it's really meaning that we ought to argue with God but it is to come and plead your case before the Lord. Are there any lawyers in the house? I'm not a lawyer, a lawyer either. But it seems like when you go to court, there's this, this idea of you're bringing a case to the one who has the authority to make a judgment, right? And you make your case, which is you bring evidence. You bring an argument. You don't just go and say, I think you ought to do this, judge, just because. Or just because I dressed up today and I'm, 
I look good today or whatever. It's my birthday. No, you come with what? You come with evidence. And you plead your case. That's what Job says he would do. And that's what he did. And that's what we are to do. Did they pray that way in the Bible? Did they pray that way in Scripture? Turn to back toward the beginning of the Bible, back in 2 Samuel. And in 2 Samuel, I want us to read from chapter 7. This is David. And David is praying. And in chapter 7 of 2 Samuel, it's right in front of you if you don't have a copy of Scripture. I want to begin reading in verse 27. 2 Samuel 7, 27. For you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have made this revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this good thing to your servant. I'll read verse 29. Now, therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant so that it may continue forever before you, O Lord. For you, O Lord God, have spoken, and with you, with your blessing, shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. What's David doing? He's bringing his argument before the throne of God, and he's saying, on the authority not of me, not because I'm so good. Not because I'm David. This is David, king of Israel, praying to God. He doesn't say, because I deserve this, Lord. He says, because you have said so from your own mouth, I am reminding you what you have said. This is my argument. This is my plea. I'm coming to you on the basis of what you have promised, Lord. That's why I'm coming. And that's the reason why I believe you ought to fulfill this request of mine. Why? Because you said you would. Because you have promised it. Because you have opened your mouth and spoken, and I believe that you speak the truth. And that's the argument, that's the case that David brings to the Lord. Now back in this seventh chapter of 2 Samuel, you will find that what God did is, God, David said, I want to build you a house. And to summarize the story, God says, I'm going to build you a house, David. You want to build me a house, David? You want to build me a house? A house out of stone? Do you think I need a house to live in? And God says to David, I'm going to build you a house, meaning I'm going to build you a dynasty. I'm going to build you a kingdom that ultimately will last forever. And so David is absolutely flattened by this. He said, you're going to build me a house, Lord? And it's going to last forever? And so he, he, he chews on that a little while and he says, okay, I receive that by faith. You have said you're going to build me a house? He says, Lord, I, I ask you, do it. I'm, I'm going to say amen to that, Lord. You said you're going to build me a house that will last forever, a kingdom, a dynasty that will last forever. Do that, please. And so he says, now his prayer is, 
Lord, I heard your word. Then I'm pleading my case. Do what you said you would do. Do what you said you would do. In verse 25, he says, Now, Lord, confirm forever the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, and do as you have spoken. Now, that's the way to pray. That's the way to pray. We don't go to God and pray, Lord, I've been a good boy, or I've been a good girl. Lord, you see how much money I give in the church, or you see how many sermons I preach, or you see how I treat my wife nicely. I deserve this. No, he says, Lord, I heard you speak, and you made a promise. And you are the judge, you're the king, you're the authority, you have a throne, and you speak the truth. And so I lay my case before you, and my case is not how good I am, my case is how good your word is. We go to God in desperation and we pray, God help me, God help my neighbor. Lord, in my desperation, I want you, I want to know you, I want to come to you. And the basis of my argument is, you have promised this, and now I plead with you, I beg you, to do and perform what you have promised to do. That's the way David prayed. Who else prayed in Scripture like that? We're going to do a little exercise now. Go back further. Turn back toward the beginning of the Bible. In the, in the book of Exodus, the second book, chapter 32. This is another famous person in the Bible. His name is Moses. He led them out. The Lord used him to lead them out, the slaves, the Jewish nation out of Egypt. They're going to go to the promised land. The book of Exodus is all about that. But if you know the story, you remember that the children of Israel were not so good. They were not so faithful. They had rebellion in their hearts. And God was provoked to anger with them. And in chapter 32, probably your Bible has a heading at the beginning of the chapter, the golden calf. What's that all about? Wow. these people were called to worship the one and only true God. And in the foolishness of their own heart, they made a golden calf to worship. How foolish is that? And God was angry. And he said to Moses, I, I believe I want to get rid of them. I have a right to get rid of them. I'm angry at their sin, their rebellion, their foolishness. And look at verse 11 of Exodus 32. Chapter 32, verse 11. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham. Isaac and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. And what did the Lord do? Verse 14. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. Why? 
Moses knew the heart of God. And what God says, what God promises, does he flip a coin? Does God flip a coin and say, well, let me see where the coin lands. I think if it lands on heads, I'll keep my promise today. Moses knew the heart of God and he said, here's my, here's my case. You promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob you would bless these people and bring them to the promised land. And that's my case. Why would you, why would you wipe them out? The Egyptians will say, he, he's not a God who keeps his promise. Moses said, my case is, your word stands true. You speak the truth. This is biblical prayer. Can we pray that way? Now, we're not talking about the time of Moses, the time of David. The year 2022, it's almost 2023. Can you believe that? Can we pray that way? Church, what, what we are called to do is to pray that way. Amen. We're to pray that way because God's word is true. So what we do is we find promises in God's word. And we pray God's promises back to him and say, here's my case. I am desperate. And my desperation drives me to my knees to pray to you because you're God and you're mighty. You have a throne and I'm laying my case before you. You have said and then tell him what he said. Now, do we tell him what he said because he forgot? No, because we're saying, Lord, I get what you said. And I'm bringing it to you. I'm praying to you. I'm asking you. I'm pleading with you. I'm begging you. Do what you have said. That's what David did. That's what Moses did. Look in the New Testament with me. Chapter 7 of the book of Mark. I know we're bouncing around, but that's okay. You've got a Bible, and you can look with me. Mark chapter 7. You've heard about this woman. She had faith. I don't know how much of the words she knew, but she knew something about Jesus. And in Mark chapter 7 and verse 24, it says, From there he, that is Jesus, he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And there he entered a house and did not want anyone to know. Yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him. See, she heard of him. She knew something about Jesus. She heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him. She's desperate. She begged him, Lord, cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs or throw it to the puppies. He's using a, he's using a little story. She's not a Jew. She's not of the household of faith. She's a Syrophoenician. She's from up in Syria or Lebanon or where the two join together. She's not in the household of faith. Let the children be fed first, Jesus said. I believe to test her. Verse 28, but she answered him, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs come under the table to eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Amen. 
The woman knew something about the heart of Jesus. He's full of compassion. Maybe she's heard some of the words that he has said. And she had faith. And she, in her desperation, went to the Lord and she put her case before the Lord and said, here's my case, Lord. I know your heart. This is the kind of heart you have. In her desperation, in her desperation, she cried out to the Lord. She cried out to the Lord. Now, uh, James and John were two of the disciples of Jesus. We don't even have to turn there, but in the same gospel, the gospel of Mark, they went to Jesus and they, they prayed to him. They made an appeal. And their appeal was like this. Lord, let us brothers, they were two brothers, disciples of Jesus, and they said, let us sit one on your right hand and one on your left hand. In other words, let us be the first and second authorities in your kingdom after you. Of course, you'll be Lord, but we'll be at your right hand and your left. How about that? And Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking. You don't know what you're asking. You have no authority to ask that. That's basically what he said. You know what he said? No. No. They, did, they couldn't bring that case to Jesus. Their argument was no good. They had no argument. We have no argument just to go to the Lord and say, Lord, give me this and give me that. I want more of this and I want more of that. I'll be happier if I had a blue Cadillac. Or I'd be happier, I'd be better off if I had this or that or the other. We ought to weigh all those things out before the Lord. And I'm not saying that we can't bring our requests to the Lord. But let our requests be driven by the desperation of our heart. As we go to the Lord and we bring the case to Him, Lord, this is what you have said. And you didn't say anything about a blue Cadillac. Or getting to sit on your right hand or your left hand in the place of authority. But in the desperation of our heart, we go to the Lord and we ask, Lord, would you help us? Lord, you see my neighbor who's in this sorrow or this sadness or this grief or this suffering or this pain. Lord, you know, the nations have not yet heard. All of them have not yet heard. Hundreds of millions of people have not yet heard of Jesus Christ and the crucifixion on the cross and his death for our sin and his resurrection from the dead that he died for us and of his soon coming again to judge the nations. Lord, in desperation we cry out to you because you have said that you will save everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. So Lord, let my neighbor call upon you. Let my granddaughters call upon you. Let, let my brother who doesn't know you, let him call upon you. Lord, give me an opening that I might go with your word and explain the gospel to him. And in desperation, we lay the case before the throne of God and we say, here's the basis of my plea. I didn't just make it up in my mind. It's from you. And I lay it before you as a lawyer, as, a, as an attorney in a, in a court of law, the highest court that there ever will be. And you say, Lord, here's why I'm asking for this very thing. In the book of Acts in chapter 4, I believe it is, the same disciple, John, along with Peter, they had been arrested, they had been taken, and they had been persecuted for preaching the gospel of Christ. And finally, they were let go and they released and they went to their brothers and sisters in the faith and they praised God and they bowed down and they worshiped God and they rehearsed to him 
why they were asking for what they were asking. And they said this, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of, your father, of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, here's what they say. Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Why are they asking what's the basis of their authority? Your word. This is what you said back in the Psalms would happen. This is what you said through the Lord Jesus that powerful things would happen, that even signs and wonders would happen. Lord, grant that and grant us boldness to speak your word. Despite the persecution, the authority, the claim, the case we make is what you have promised, God. And so did he answer, it says, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And that's what they asked him to give them. Church, are we desperate enough to pray to God that way? Or are our prayers watered down because our case we try to make with the Lord is no case at all. What I'm saying is we ought to pray the way the scriptures teach us to pray, with faith. You and I cannot pray with faith if we just make up a case on our own. I think I ought to have this. No. Where is the case in scripture? If you can find the case in scripture, then pray it with boldness and say, Lord, you said this and so this is what I want and I'm coming to the only one who can give it I can't buy this for me I can't buy this for my neighbor who's suffering I can't buy this for the nations I cannot provide this Lord I'm coming to you do we pray that way we must pray that way the greatest and most desperate need of any person alive is if they're still under the condemnation of their sin. They still have not come to know the Lord Jesus and the forgiveness of sin that he provides on the cross as he died for the sins of sinners. So if there's anyone in this place or in your family that's still yet not under the, the blood that he shed on the cross for our sin, the most desperate place to be is that place. And what do you do? Do you say, oh Lord, Save me because I'm good. There's, that's no case. Oh Lord, forgive me because I'm going to try to do better. That's no case. No, we pray in desperation. Lord, save me for Jesus' sake. Because He is good. He's perfect and He's the Savior of sinners. He's the Lamb slain for a sinner like me. And I come to you and I plead with you on the basis, the argument, the case of the blood of Christ will save me. 
And you say that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so I'm calling upon you. Lord Jesus, save me. He'll save the soul that in desperation comes to him with that prayer. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your word. We thank you for teaching us to pray this way. Not on the basis of our authority, but yours. Not on the basis of what we make up, but because of what you have said. Lord, let us bring our arguments to you. In faith, let us plead. And Lord, we believe that you will hear. Lord, we pray for anyone in this place who does not yet know you because they've never called upon the name of the Lord in faith. Oh Lord, draw their hearts to yours that in desperation they might cry out to you and call out to you. And Lord, we believe that you will save every single one who calls upon you on the basis of the blood of Christ shed for sinners. Lord, save we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.